Welcome to Passion Life Church. This morning we're starting a two-part series called The Breaking Point. And uh, this series really has to deal with life and how sometimes life doesn't go the way you planned it. How many can agree today that life sometimes just doesn't play along? Am I the only one? It just doesn't play along. And in, if, you, if you've been alive for any period of time, you realize that life has stress that comes with it. Anybody experience some stress? Life has pressure. Now there's good and bad pressure, but I gotta tell you, life has pressure. And some stress, and if we're gonna be honest, some pressure comes in our lives as a result of other people's choices that they made. And they made bad choices, so that puts stress on us. Or there is stress and pressure that comes from bad choices that we've made. Don't shout me down, because I'm talking about you. Also, there is an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is out to do that, and that's what he wants to do in your life. But here is the question. The question for today is when the pressure is applied, when the stress is applied to your life, will you break down or will you break through? Will you break down or will you break through? Now, I would be lying today if I told you that every time that stress and pressure came into my life that I broke through. I didn't all the time. I broke down. But you know what? I didn't know what I knew today. And so today's message and these next two Sundays, I want to equip us so you can break through and you don't have to break down. Let me try that again. So you can break through because you don't have to break down. Because you have a God that breaks through. Easter is all about a God overcoming and breaking through. And we're going to look at Jesus because there come a moment in his life where there was intense pressure and intense stress. And you know what? He didn't break down. He broke through. You know, a lot of times when we have this pressure and this stress, I love this Bible verse, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. How many of you can identify with this? When there is pressure and when there is stress, sometimes the vision of the plan gets cloudy. And what happens is when that gets cloudy, you begin to lose hope. You can lose hope because you don't see future. But here's the good news. When you don't see the plan, we need to know God has a plan. And he's got a plan and there's hope and there is future. Say this when they say, I will. Come on, let's say it loud. I will break through in Jesus' name. One more time. Say, I will break through. In Jesus' name. Some of you sound like you're already starting to break through. Others of you sound like you just woke up. I've entitled today, Two Adams in the Garden. You know, the first Adam, Adam and Eve that we know, and just so you know, Eve is not Adam's last name, right? Eve, the first, Adam in the first garden of Eden, Adam, God created him and uh, we're going to look at him and we're going to look how, how many of you know, the first Adam in the garden broke down. He broke down. Yet Jesus, do you know the Bible calls him 
the last Adam, the last Adam, the last man. And Adam in the Garden of Eden broke down, but the last Adam in the Garden of Gethsemane broke through. And so we're going to look at them too. And I believe that this is going to help us break through. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45 and 47 talks about how Jesus is the last Adam. It says, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, but the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. And then verse 47, it says, the first man was of the earth, made of dust, but the second man, how many of you know who that is? Who's that second man? The second man, Jesus, is the Lord from heaven. I love the way the New Living Translation says it. In verse 47, it says, Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Let's look at the first Adam. Let's look at maybe some of the things that caused him to break down. Let's glean from Adam because today's about equipping you to break through. Let me give you a little history this morning. Genesis chapter two, verse 16 says, and the Lord God created the man saying of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. It's amazing. God put them in this beautiful garden and listen to what God says. God says, you can eat from every tree in the garden. Come on. That's like soup plantation. Come on, somebody. It's like a buffet. You can go to every tree in the garden, except there was one tree. Verse 17, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat, you shall surely die. Now, what's interesting is that we understand is that the serpent, which we know is the devil, comes to Eve and starts talking to Eve. And Adam does nothing. How many of you know there's going to be a long line in heaven to talk to Adam? If I ever walked outside of my apartment and my wife was talking to a snake, uh, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something. Adam says nothing. He says nothing to Eve. And let's just break down what the snake does. Let's look at his strategy. Because let me tell you something about the devil. He doesn't have any new tricks. There's nothing new under the sun when it comes to him. He's using the same old tactics, the same old strategy. And you know why he uses it? Because it's working on some people. It's working on some people. He keeps doing the same thing over and over again because it works on some people. So he comes to Eve. Let's look what he says, because I think we can look at these and go, yep, he's still saying the same things. He's still using the same methods to break people down. Here's the first thing that he does. He wants you to doubt the word of God. That's what he wants you to do. Here's what he says to Eve. Did God really say? Did he really say you can't eat of that tree? And I'm going to tell you what happens in these breaking point moments. The enemy wants you to disconnect from this word. You know, as a pastor, it's pretty interesting to me. I talk to people a lot, you know, and I'll, maybe I won't see somebody at church for a while and say, hey, you know, we miss you. I, how, how are you? Where have you been? Oh, I, I'm, I'm just going through something. Okay. 
I understand you're going through something, but you need to understand the tactic and the strategy of the enemy is to disconnect you from this, especially when you're going through something. Because when you're going through something, when you're disconnected from this word, this word, by hearing this word, stirs faith in you. And when it stirs faith in you, that's, that's what happens, and that's how it activates. God gets activated by our faith, and he wants to disconnect you from the word of God. And here's what he wants to do. He wants you to start doubting the word of God. I put in my notes, don't side with the serpent. The serpent is the one that said, did God say? And when we start to say, did God really say? You're siding with the serpent. Did God really say that I'm an overcomer? Did God really say that I'm more than a conqueror? Did God really say in his word that by his stripes I am healed? See, when I say, did God really say, you're actually verbatim saying what the serpent said. Come on, just touch your neighbor real quick and say, don't side with the serpent. Don't side with the serpent. You know, the Bible talks about the parable of the sower. The sower sows the word, and the enemy comes immediately. Why? To steal this word. To steal the word. You know, um, this last couple of weeks, we've been in a, a relationship series called Relationship Goals. And uh, there was someone who came to me and said, you know, Phil, um, that series was really hard for me because I'm going through a lot in my life relationally. And this is what I love about what this person did. They said, you know how hard it was for me to show up to church and hear about marriage, to hear about these things. And I said, I know, I know, I can I, I understand it's tough, but props to you that in your moment of breaking, in the breaking point, you stuck to the word of God. You stuck and you stuck it out. That's how you break through. And I'm going to be honest with you. When you go through stuff, the enemy is going to tell you, you know what? You don't need to go to church. You don't need to read the word. My church family, that's when you need the word the most. The Bible says that this is the sword of the spirit. And I want to tell you, when you use the sword of the spirit, the devil gets the point every time. He gets the point every time. And he's going to try to get you to doubt the word of God. Here's another thing that he does. He tries to incite fear. Fear will break you down. Fear will break you down. I'm going to the doctor's office today. I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know. You're not even there yet. And you're already the fear. <sighs> starts to come, starts to break you down, right? Look at Genesis 3, 5. It says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. Here's the serpent. He's telling Eve, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And you know what? You can be in a breaking point moment and fear will start to have you give you thoughts. I don't even know if this is going to get better. It may never get better. I don't know how this is going to turn out. That is the voice of fear. But let me speak specifically to what the enemy was telling Eve. The enemy was basically saying this to Eve. You know what? God's probably not even for you, Eve. Hmm. 
He doesn't want you to eat of that tree. I wonder how many times in breaking point moments we fear that actually God is against us. When Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says that God is for you. He says he's for you. And what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Fear. Fear. Do you know that as a parent, you can so fear being a bad parent that you turn into a bad parent? Not because you're a bad parent, but because you allow fear to define you. Job said, my greatest fear has come upon me. My greatest fear. Fear will break you down. Fear. Here's another tactic. Number three, he's going to try to get you to believe lies. Now, can I just blow the lid off this thing this morning? Would that be all right? If I do some preaching this morning and I just blow the lid off this, are you ready? Here's what the devil was insinuating to Eve. He was saying, listen, Eve, God is holding out on you. God doesn't want you to eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil because God's holding out on you. I wonder how many times that we get into a breaking point moment and that thought comes into our head. God, I don't understand. God, now here's what's interesting. God told Adam and Eve that they could eat of every tree. Would you say that with me? Say every tree. Every tree they could eat up. Does that sound like God is holding out? God created Adam. God created Eve. He gave them this beautiful garden. And yet here comes the enemy and he wants you to believe this lie. See, God, yeah, 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 that's all good, Phil. But you see that one tree? He doesn't want you to have it. Listen to these words. He doesn't want you to have it because then you're going to be like God. They were already like God. It's funny. It's pretty interesting because he does the same thing. He does the same thing with Jesus. He comes to Jesus and he says this while Jesus is fasting in the desert. He says this to Jesus. He says, Jesus, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, hmm, what a dumb question. But you know what he gets? He's trying to get Jesus to break down. Come on, if you're really the son of God, turn this stone into bread. In other words, you know what? Why don't you just settle for the immediate if you're really the son of God? Why don't you prove it? And you know what? He says the same thing today. Are you really a Christian? Are you really, really, are, are, you, are you really a Christian? And you know what happens when we go through these breaking time moments and these breaking point moments he starts to talk to us. Come on, somebody. Am I the only one he talks to you like that? And here's what's crazy. He says, God doesn't want you to eat from that tree. Because number one, he doesn't want you to be like him. They're already made like him. And he says this. He doesn't want you. If you eat from that tree, you're going to know the knowledge of good and evil. God never wanted humanity to know evil. He never wanted humanity to know evil. Now, can I talk maturely today in Passion Life Church? Are you ready? Do you know that God did not withhold evil from Adam and Eve? He allowed them to choose it. 
He didn't want them to know evil. That wasn't his will for them to know evil. But you know that God allowed them to make a choice. People ask me that all the time. And just so you know, if you're ever going to be a pastor, there's two questions you need to know how to answer, right? Why did God put a tree in the garden called the knowledge of good and evil? And where did the dinosaurs uh, come into play in the timeline of humanity? That's what you need to know. Because everybody wants to know about the tree and the dinosaurs. That's what they want to know. Today, unfortunately, we're not going to hear about the dinosaur part. Go home and watch Jurassic Park, all right? (laughs) But we're going to talk about the tree. See, God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because he had to give Adam and Eve a choice. If he did not give Adam and Eve a choice, Adam and Eve would be prisoners. Love has a choice. Love Listen, love is not forced. Love is a choice. And in the middle of the garden, in everything that God gave them, he gave them the choice. He didn't, now I want you to hear my heart on this. He didn't want them to choose evil, but he didn't withhold it from them either. He gave them the choice to choose. And that's powerful. Because a lot of people in our lives, we want to remove the choices from our life. I talk to a lot of people where everything in their life is God. I don't know why God let that happen. I don't know. Listen, he gave humanity a choice and he's never going to take that away. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God sets before us life and death. And he says this, blessings and cursing. And then he knew we would need a little bit of help. So he says, choose life. <laughs> choose life. Come on, choose life. I'm, I'm, come on, I've given you life. I've given you blessing. But you know what? You need to choose it. You make the choice. And you know what's interesting? Is that Adam and Eve chose evil. They chose. This is where they started to break down. You know, it's funny because as a pastor, I see both sides. You know, people pray and they think that God is withholding things from them. Pastor Phil, you know, me and my wife, we want to have a child. We want to have a child. And we're just praying for God to give us a child. (gasps) Guess what, Pastor Phil? God gave us a child. Woo, baby shower. Right? And here's on the other side. Oh, God, you gave us this child. Please give me the strength to be a parent. God, are you withholding strength? Because, come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on, we had a guy in the church. Oh, God, I need a job. I need a job. Pastor Phil, pray with me. I need a job. God, are you withholding a job from me? Whoo, God gave him a job. I am not exaggerating to you a week and a half later. Oh, Pastor, pray for me. They're giving me too many hours at work. God, what? Lord, If I could just get this promotion, God, what? You don't want me to be promoted. It's what I want. Boom. Promotion. Hallelujah. Oh, my gosh, Lord. The stress of this new position and the schedule. Go ahead. Put your hands together. We got one person that relates to that. And the whole time, here's the thought, God's withholding. God's not withholding from you. Can I just tell you, the Bible says, listen to this. I just, I love this. Ephesians chapter one, verse three. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with some. What does it say? It says, blessed us with what? 
every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Can I just tell you something? If the reason, if you think God is withholding from you, that's why you're not getting the promotion. Can I just tell you, you may not be getting the promotion because God has something better for your life. And we need to trust in him and stop thinking that he is withholding. I'm going to preach a little bit this morning. Can I just tell you that if God wanted to withhold from you, he would have never sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. If God was withholding from you, he would have never sent the power of his Holy Spirit to abide in you. But we, in the breaking point moments, we have these thoughts that God is withholding. He loves you. He cares for you. But we believe that lie. We believe that lie. And I got to tell you, I know it's tough, but it seems like in this day and age, we don't want to take responsibility for our choices. We make our choices, but you know what? We're not free to choose the consequences that come with those choices. And our choices matter. That's why I pray when you do make these decisions and you come to breaking point moments in your life that you ask God to help you. But don't believe the lie. God's given you his word. Let me just say it. I need to say it. We're going to talk about it next week because we're going to look at characteristics of people who broke through. Do you know that you today have more than what Joseph had in the Bible? Do you know that you today have more than what Daniel had? Daniel did not have the Holy Spirit inside of him. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. My church family, Daniel did not have in the lion's den the full book of the Bible. Peter had one word from God and he walked on water. He had the word come. You and I have the full revelation of the Bible. Today we have more than anyone else that walked through this. We have his Holy Spirit. We have the full word of God. God's not withholding. He loves you. Don't believe that lie. But here's another thing that the enemy wants to do. Here's, here's the fourth part of his strategy. He wants you to trust in your feelings. You know what I've learned? Trusting in your feelings will cause you to make definite decisions with temporary emotions. You know, the Bible says that the tree was good. It looked good. That's our senses. Whew, look at that tree. Oh man, that's a great tree. I love trees. I'm a tree hugger. Lover. Look at the tree. It's beautiful. God, why wouldn't you want me to have a part? Oh my, wow, the sun is shining on those apples. Whew. God, I feel like that I want some of that, my feelings. Can I just tell you this? People who break through, people who break through make decisions based on devotion, not emotion. If you're going to mature in the things of God, you're going to have to learn how to get past your emotions and make decisions based on your devotion to him. 
You know, there was a time when we started giving and we started tithing. And, man, it was tough. Man, it was tough on my flesh. It was tough on our emotion, you know. And it it was. It was really tough. But we started breaking through. We started giving out of our devotion to God, not out of our emotion. And we started to trust him and said, all right, God, you said in your word that we're supposed to test you in this. And we did. And it didn't feel good. Why am I saying that? Because there's a lot of things in life when you do don't feel good. Hashtag CrossFit. There's a lot of exercises that don't feel good, but you know what? They pay off because when you give and you exercise and you work out, guess what you get back? Energy. Your muscles get built. Come on, somebody. You get health. But when you do it, it doesn't feel good. And the enemy wants us to trust our feelings. And I got to tell you, your feelings aren't always right. They're not always right. The first Adam, he broke down. Now let's look at the last Adam. His name is Jesus. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, if you have it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. The Bible says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. You know, verse two says that I'm to look to Jesus. I'm to look at him as my example, looking unto Jesus. He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen to this. Verse three, for consider him when you're going through a breaking point moment. Consider what he did for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Least you become weary and discouraged in your souls. One translation says you become weary and discouraged. You know what your soul is? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where the battle is. The battle is in your mind. You know why the battle is in your mind? Because the devil can't touch your spirit. Your spirit is a part of God's divine nature. So listen to this. So you know what he's going to try to do? If he can't take you out, he's going to try to wear you out. I know people who worry all the time. And they're worn out. You know, you can sit on the couch and worry all day and be as tired as if you ran 10 miles. And the enemy wants to wear you out in your mind. I'm amazed that when I talk with people, what goes on in their mind, because their mind's like, I'm like, whoa, I'm tired and I'm just talking with you. Because the battle is in your mind. And here's something a little bit deeper for those of us want to go deeper. See, our ancestry comes from Adam right? The first Adam. I'm after Adam by the flesh, but I'm after Jesus by the spirit. So my flesh always kind of wants to identify with Papa Adam in the beginning, but my spirit wants to identify with Jesus. But you need to know that the battle's right here. He's going to try to wear you down in your mind. Turn over to Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. We're going to read I just want to read a little bit, and then I'm going to give you three things that Jesus did, and uh, I believe it's going to encourage you. I, I, 
You know, at Bible college, when we did homiletics, the study of preaching and stuff, they always tell you, you got to be careful to give a lot, a lot of scriptures. And even now in today's age, people just do not have the chin span that we do. And, uh, but I took a challenge today because I said, the people of Passion Life, they love the word of God. And uh, I could sit here and paraphrase this for you, but I thought we need to read it because you need to see what Jesus went through. Can I have a good amen this morning? Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 46, it says this, then Jesus came with them. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit there where I go and pray over there. Verse 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful. Will somebody say that with me? Say sorrowful. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then said to them, my soul, what part is that? That's his mind. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, is it possible? Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, what could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. Come on, somebody say the spirit is willing. Why? Because who's the spirit connecting with? Do I need to give you multiple choice here? I, I didn't know this was going to be that complicated this morning. But I will help you. That's why I'm here to help you. Who does your spirit connect with? It connects with God. So he says, look, the spirit indeed is willing. Why? It's connecting with God. But the flesh is weak. Why? Because that's connecting with Adam number one. Here's 40, verse 42. Again, a second time. He went away and he prayed saying, oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And so he found, he left them and went away and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand and the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Jesus is coming to this Friday, right? We call it Good Friday. It was good for us, but it wasn't good for him. And he starts out in the garden of Gethsemane. You know, in the Greek, the New Testament was written in Greek. The word Gethsemane means this, oil press. Oil press. And it also means this. I'm going to talk a little bit about this next week. It means a narrow space. This is what breaking point moments do. You become and you feel like you're in an oil press and you feel like everything is narrowing down. Have you ever felt that way? Man, life's pressure, the stress, here it comes. Well, I got good news for you. Jesus has been there. He's been there. He's been there. And he's in the oil press. And he even says this, my soul, my mind, right? Here's the battle. My mind is exceedingly sorrowful. In the Greek, the word sorrowful means full of grief to make sorrowful. It actually means this. There is sorrow all around me. Jesus is saying, I'm so sorrowful 
that it's all around me, all around me. And the Bible says this, actually Luke's account says, in these moments, Jesus starts sweating blood. That the oil press, that the pressure, he even says, I'm exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. He begins to sweat blood. He begins to sweat blood. There's actually a medical condition for this. It's called hematidrosis. And doctors have seen this. It's extreme pressure. But look at this plan, the strategy of God. First Adam in the garden breaks down. I do not find it a coincidence, my church family, that the last Adam in the garden of Gethsemane finds himself in a garden and the first place that Jesus bleeds is from his head in a garden. I do not find it a coincidence that our first Adam messed up on a tree, but the last Adam would die on a tree. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a good round of applause because he's got a plan that even when the first Adam messed up, the last Adam, the first Adam messed up, death came by eating, right? The apple. But here's my body. Take and eat in remembrance of me. So Adam, the first one, he ate and death came. But when we eat today, the communion and we eat his blood, life comes to us. Woohoo! <laughs> and you thought God was just making stuff up as he went along. And Jesus is in this oil press and he says, he says, watch, watch. He says it three times. Watch and pray. Watch means stay vigilant, give strict attention to, you know, first Peter chapter five, verse eight tells us this. It says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, who's that? The devil, your adversary, the devil, he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And look at verse nine, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood who are in the world. Listen to what Jesus says. Come on, let's listen to him in these breaking point moments. He says, watch three times. But you know also what he said three times? Not my will, but your will be done. You know, one of the things that I've found out about the number three is number three is the number of resurrection. And on Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about why three, why three days. But Jesus says, watch three times. And then he says, you know what? I, not my will, but your will three times. And in first Peter chapter five, verse eight, it says this, that we are supposed to resist. We're supposed to resist the enemy. That word resist means I'm supposed to stand against, to set oneself up against, to withstand, to resist, to oppose. So when this enemy comes against me, I am supposed to set myself up against the enemy. And you know what happens? I think a lot of times in breaking point moments is that we're not resisting the enemy. We're giving in to the enemy. And can I tell you one of the ways that we give in? I've been there. Maybe you've been there. Is we start to think that, man, we're the only one that's going through this. 
Nobody in the history of mankind has ever gone through what I'm going through right now. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. Nobody. Nobody's ever gone through what you've gone through. Now, there have been people before that have gone through what you've gone through. And we start giving in to these thought processes. And you know what? Another thing we give into in breaking point moments, and again, this is not resisting, this is more acquiescing, is that we start to feel sorry for ourselves. I'm going to throw myself a pity party and invite myself. And it's going to be a great party because it's just going to be me. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. I'll cry if I want to. Feel sorry for me. Can I just tell you, the Bible says that the enemy roams around like a roaring lion. If a lion broke in here in this moment and you got down on the floor and started crying and you started saying, oh my goodness, why me? The lion don't care if you are on the floor crying and asking why me. He's going to eat you up, chomp, chomp. Of course, Pastor Phil, he is. Well, then what makes you think the enemy is going to look at you and seeing you crying and feeling sorry for yourself? He's going to go, oh, I will wait to kill, steal, and destroy from your life after you get over your pity party. And in actuality, your little pity party is breaking you down. Breaking you down. But having a pity party is not resisting. Having a pity party is not standing up against. That's not being sober and being vigilant because we do have an enemy that's coming against us. But let's look what Jesus did as we end here today. Here's what Jesus did in the breaking point moments. Number one, Jesus asked his friends to pray with him. Here's what he did. He tells the disciples he tells the disciples, hey, watch and pray with me. Can you pray with me? I'm in a breaking point moment. Listen, so Jesus isn't isolated. He's actually talking about his breaking point moment with other people. Said, hey, man, I need help. That's why I hear at Passion Life Church, you know, we do life groups because we want you to be a part of, of getting together, not staying isolated. But Jesus asks his friends, I hope you have great friends because we all need them. But can I just talk mature again with all of us? Jesus told his friends to pray with him and his friends fell asleep. And in that moment, even though his friends fell asleep, Jesus still broke through. And I need to say that because it's important because maturity will say, nobody's gonna pray for you like you're going to pray for you. And I know, I know we do it. I'll pray for you. Put on Facebook, praying for you. And let's be honest. How many of us take the time and stop? And if we do, are you praying for somebody else for five minutes? And I'm going to be honest. The only person that probably prays more for me is my mom. Nobody's going to pray for you like you're going to pray for you. 
but we need to. We need to talk with each other. We need to ask for prayer. But just, just so you know that friends aren't the end all in all because even with that, Jesus' friends fell asleep, but he still breaks through. And you can do the same. You can break through even when people fail you, when people are not around for you and they say they're gonna pray for you, you can still break through. Here's number two. Not only did Jesus ask for people to pray, Jesus prayed. And let me tell you this. Here's the good thing about a breaking point moment. Can I just tell you this? In breaking point moments, you will pray like you've never prayed before. That's the good part about it. I've been there. And I was, I was feeling sorry for myself talking to somebody. And I was just, oh, I'm going to the breaking point. And this is what they said. And I thought they were going to say, oh, little Phil, you're okay. You know what they said? I bet you're praying a lot. Yeah, well, that's good. Because in these moments, you pray more than you ever prayed before. And Jesus starts to pray. So the good part about the breaking point is that some of us would never pray like we would pray until we come to a breaking point moment. Because we can pray and we start to pray. But listen, Jesus didn't just leave all the praying to his prayer partners. He prayed himself. He prayed himself. And so when I say, hey, pray for me, I don't just say, hey, you pray for me. I'm going to go to Disneyland. No, I'm praying too. And so Jesus starts to pray and he starts to pray and he prays. This is what I put in my notes. Jesus's communication with his father didn't stop because he had a breaking point. In actuality, in the breaking point moment, his communication with God increased. Can we tell the truth this morning? Because sometimes when we go through breaking point moments, we don't want to talk to God sometimes because we're mad. Sometimes we're mad at him. And you know what? There's a temptation to withdraw from the word. There's a temptation to stop praying. And let me just encourage you again. In breaking point moments, look to Jesus. He prayed more. He went down and he let the communication of the father. He's sweating blood and he's praying. And this is what he says. And here's where we end today. He says, not my will, not my feelings, not my emotions, not my will, but yours be done. The first Adam did his will. The second Adam did God's will. Here's number three, and here's how you break through. Jesus did the will of God in the breaking point moments. When the first Adam broke down and we see the consequences we have a God that gives us a last Adam that comes and says, not my will, not what I'm feeling, but God, your will be done in this moment. And Jesus broke through because he did the will of God. And I want you to know something. The will of God isn't off the table just because you're going through a breaking point moment. Jesus didn't see that the will of God was off the table because of what he was going through. And sometimes when we get in these breaking point moments, it's like we think that the God's promises are just for when the sun is shining. Actually, the promises of God are for the breaking point 
moments so you can break through. Come on, somebody. We can break through. I want to say this, and then we're going to close. Do you know that Jesus had a choice in that moment? That Jesus could have walked away and said, God, I've been on this planet 33 and a half years with these human beings, and they are not worth it. Why do you say that, Pastor Phil? John 10, 18, Jesus said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received from my Father. So in that prayer, Jesus said, not my will. I'm not going to walk away. And in this moment, in this breaking point moment, I'm going to choose the will of God. And you can break through too. You know why you can break through? Because Jesus is our example and he broke through. And you can break through because that Jesus who broke through is in you today. We have a Jesus who is not a wimpy Jesus. We, just because of what he went through on Friday, he actually, nobody took his life. He laid it down for you and I. But he rose again on the third day. And that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is on the inside of you. Come on, can you give the Lord a good round of applause? Because we have a God that breaks through and we have a God that wants you to break through. Come on, give it to him good. Give him a good round of applause. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.